and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemperoper in Dresden, Germany. In episode four, we'll be hearing texts of two Schubert songs, Gretchen am Spinrad and Die Post, and discussing them with Netta Orr and Markus Markwart, and then talking with coach Hans Zotin in a more general way about German diction. We'll talk a little bit more about closed and open U and Ü, the U with an umlaut, and devoicing consonants. You'll hear me call the open U the cookie vowel. The first time anybody ever said that phrase to me, I swear I thought they meant that the, the capital U looked like the smile on a smiley face cookie. I only realized later that they meant the same vowel as in the word cookie, U. Uh. But I still think the phonetic letter for open U looks like the smile on a smiley face cookie, and that's how I choose to remember it. If you want to follow the text, but don't have the music for a specific piece, you can find texts to these art songs at recmusic.org slash leader, L-I-E-D-E-R, or follow the link at the blog at thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. Our first text today is Gretchen am Spinrad, or Spinrade. You'll see that word spelled both with and without an E at the end without the DD voices to Spinrad, with it, Spinrade. The text is a poem from Goethe's Faust, which was Schubert's first successful lead in 1814. But if you talk about Gretchen am Spinrade in Germany, no one will know what you're talking about, because they pronounce her name differently, as you're about to hear. Gretchen am Spinrad. Meine Ruhe ist hin, mein Herz ist schwer. Ich finde sie nimmer und nimmer mehr. Wo ich ihn nicht hab, ist mir das Grab. Die ganze Welt ist mir vergelt. Mein armer Kopf ist mir verrückt. Mein armer Sinn ist mir zerstückt. Meine Ruhe ist hin. Mein Herz ist schwer. Ich finde sie nimmer und nimmer mehr. Nach ihm nur schau ich zum Fenster hinaus. Nach ihm nur geh ich aus dem Haus. Sein hoher Gang, sein edle Gestalt, seines Mundes Lächeln, seiner Augengewalt und seiner Rede Zauberfluss, sein Händedruck und ach, sein Kuss. Meine Ruhe ist hin, mein Herz ist schwer. Ich finde sie nimmer und nimmer mehr. Mein Busen drängt sich nach ihm hin, Ach, dürft ich fassen und halten ihn und küssen ihn, so wie ich wollt, an seinen Küssen vergehen sollt. That was Nette Orr reading Gretchen am Spinrade. Now, in America, we talk, call this Gretchen am Spinrade, and I kept that up at the beginning of the podcast, but now we're going to call it by its real title. Right, Netta? Yes, Gretchen. So you can hear is that closed E sound, the, the closed E, and they actually do say the CH as uh, a C city, a Gretchen. When we started recording this, Nette had said to me, do you want me to read this the way I would speak it or the way I would sing it? So I had asked her to, to say it in a way she would speak it, but I wanted to talk to you about how you would do things differently when you're singing it. Well, the main problem with this piece was or maybe with every piece, is the R. Because in the spoken German language, you don't roll it. You don't say R, you say R, or whatever. 
But of course, if you see it, you have to roll the R most of the times, not always. So in this piece, you have lots of R's, and uh, I didn't roll them at all. But if I would sing it, I would of course say, my Ruh is thin, my Herz is... And now that's a problem, because you could either say schwer, or you could sing schwer, which is a very old-fashioned way, but you could. So the generally accepted practice now is that upside down A. The, the, the phonetic letter for that, would be, for that R would be the upside down A. I would go for the schwer thing. Okay, so, so head towards, towards that ah sound. And that happens throughout the whole piece. What about a word like nimmermehr? The same. You would sing, ich finde sie nimmer ah mm -hmm. und nimmermehr, so, I would sing. So I don't think you would roll the R there. Either of them. It's a problem with the German pronunciation that there is an old-fashioned way, which maybe Elisabeth Schwarzkopf or whoever would have done, and she would have sung, ich finde sie nimmer und nimmermehr. But nowadays, you don't do that anymore. Although it's not wrong, you could, but the trend has changed and we just don't. You go for nimmer und nimmermehr, which is more natural, of course. The other thing is very artificial, yeah. but not wrong. What about doubling consonants there? Because you very, uh, as you did that for as an example, you very seriously doubled nimmer. Well, you have to, because it's nimmer und nimmermehr. So it's always doubled, even nowadays? Yes. The problem is the R in between, if you go for nimmer und nimmermehr, or if you leave that, but you have to double the M anyway. What about an R after a consonant, like in the second verse? Wo ich ihn nicht hab, ist mir das Grab. Grab, you would definitely roll. Mm -hmm. With the mir, you could, you don't have to. But the Grab roll, R, you definitely have to roll. And uh, in Verrückt, you have to do that in any right. case, right? Because of the double R's. Of course, definitely. And now, when, when we speak German, the R actually flips in the back of the mouth. But when you sing it, do you flip it in the front or in, do, you, do you leave it with that, that back uvular that I can't really do very well? There are some singers, I think you, you do the thing. I don't. Mm -hmm. If you have this open R which you almost don't hear, or you really roll it in front. But th this flipping thing in the throat, the thing, I don't do it. That uvular R, yeah. yeah. So if you start rolling the R back there and you start singing back there also, you know, you don't want it. You don't want to get stuck in the thing. Yeah. So I don't do that. At the climax of the piece, in what I guess, if I'm looking at this correctly on the page, is the seventh verse of it. Und seiner Rede Zauberfluss. Okay, we have the SZ. And with a lot of vowels, this SZ can either open or close it. Like we have a, a Ross, or we have a Schloss, which is a castle, or we have a Schoss, Bloss, we have a couple of those. And here with, with F-L-U-S, Zauberfluss, is that an open or a closed U? That's an open one. It has to be a short one. Actually, you, you would say Zauberfluss. And the same thing with Kuss, right? Yeah, Kuss. So when so you... The thing between O and O, actually. Kuss. Yeah. It's what, but you can't sing that. <laughs> you can't. That's what I was just going to ask you. Is that, would you sing? Would, can you hold that? What we call it? I call it the cookie vowel, the the capital U phonetic letter. If it's a long note, you would have to go for the U, I think, more because it would sound weird to go. Und auch sein Kurs, 
it's too open. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you have to find a way not to see it too close because it's not cruise like uh, foos. But I think if it's a long note, it would have to be more ooh than o because it sounds weird to have a cos. Yes, when she was talking about foos, that's, like I said, sometimes the, the vowel is open with an S set and sometimes it's closed. Fluss and kus, it's open, but foos, the word for foot, there it's closed. Just a couple of other little things in, in, uh, in Griechen. The A umlaut. Is that sound always an open sound? The A is always open. A. There's no other way to pronounce it. That when it rhymes with a word like Welt, is it then the same sound? Vergelt and Welt? The ganze Welt is Maybe the Geld is even a bit more open. If you have the air vowel, you can't actually be too open for that because it's really air, a Geld. And the same thing down with a uh, Händedruck? Händedruck, yes. Hände. Whatever. So that sound is basically always the same. Yes. And the only thing that can change it is whether it's a long or a short vowel. But even if it's long, you still stay on the a. It doesn't change the quality. It can just either be long or short, but it sounds exactly the same. I think so. Yes. Okay. Open u. The u umlauts. Exactly. The u umlauts. Exactly. Zerstückt. It, and because we don't have the closed one in here, I thought this was a good piece to talk about the open, what's a, in the phonetic letter is a capital Y. It's a, you're saying an open E with your tongue and saying O with your lips, just like we talked about with Kuss and Sauberfluss. It's the same motion of the lips, with, uh, but with an E in the back of the throat. Can you say a couple of those for us again, just so we get the sound in our ears? Küssen, verrückt, zerstückt. Or if you sing it, dürft. Or the other, the only long U I can think of right now is like Füße or Süße, Mühe. So you can hear the difference between the open capital Y U umlaut and the, the closed lowercase y U umlaut. And the last thing I just wanted to mention is that Z's in Italian, in, we have the, the option of them being either voiced or unvoiced. But in German, they're always unvoiced, right? Yes, it's always a Z, and there's no way you can spell it differently. Yeah, always a TS sound. There was a question on the blog recently about the SZ, that funny-looking S that looks almost like a capital B. The question was, would you be able to explain when the SZ makes the preceding vowel long and when it makes it short? The answer isn't quite so simple. In 1996, the German language went through a complete spelling overhaul, and 90% of the changes involved this letter, the SZ. In fact, in some German-speaking countries, like Switzerland, the SZ is no longer in use at all. The basic rule now is, the SZ can only be used after long vowels or diphthongs. If the preceding vowel is short, we have to spell the word with a double S. The problem for us is that most of the texts we deal with were written long before 1996, so this new rule doesn't help us very much. Before that time, set were used in many words and are always pronounced as an unvoiced S as opposed to a voiced Z, but it had no bearing on the vowel as you could hear with the examples today. So your best bet is to look up any words you aren't sure of, and I'll try to find some of the more common words with set and talk about them on a future episode.
Our next text is Die Post from Die Winterreise. The poetry for Die Winterreise is by Wilhelm Müller, as is the text for Die Schöne Müllerin. Die Post Von der Straße her ein Posthorn klingt. Was hat es, dass es so hoch aufspringt? Mein Herz? Die Post bringt keinen Brief für dich. Was drängst du denn so wunderlich? Mein Herz? Nun ja, die Post kommt aus der Stadt, wo ich ein liebes Liebchen hat. Mein Herz! Willst wohl einmal hinübersehen und fragen, wie es dort mag gehen, mein Herz? That was Markus Markwart reading Die Post. And part of the reason I picked Die Post is because we actually have this word in English. And in English we say the post, the post office. But in German we go to... Der Post. Open O. Yeah. And part of the issue about, for me, about the post is we tend to, as Americans, not realize that we close the vowel more than it deserves because we have this word and we're used to it. I wanted to start out talking a little bit about grammar. In this case, I thought it was important in the, in the first sentence to talk about where is the subject and the verb. And the subject is later in the sentence than the beginning. Posthorn is uh, um, the subject and the uh, verb is the klingt. Von klingen. From klingen. So posthorn is the subject and klingen is the verb. Because of that, the whole beginning of the sentence must come together. As opposed to trying to get here to match up to her ein posthorn, it actually belongs to the beginning part of the sentence. Yeah, but here müssen wir auch den Glottis wieder berücksichtigen. Okay. Nicht herein, sondern her ein posthorn. Weil herein bedeutet etwas anderes als das, was da gemeint ist. So because of that, we need to make sure that we have the Glottis after the word her, before ein, because if we don't, herein is actually a word in German and it means something completely different than if we would say von der Straße her ein Posthorn klingt. So it would change the meaning dramatically. <laughs> Now I wanted to ask you about eliding consonants. We have a lot of words that end in T and start with D, or in this case we have a, two words that end, one that ends in a G, mach, and the one that starts with a G, gain. Do you usually explode the first one, or do you sometimes swallow the T and just say one consonant, or how do you auf Mark gehen bezogen. Am Abschluss äh, eines Wortes wird das G mehr hart gesprochen, also schon in Tendenz zum K. So at the end of the word M-A-G, Mark, the, the G would actually become unvoiced and it would be harder, almost to a K. Und gehen dann als normales G gesprochen. Und natürlich der Schluss abschließend Mark und der Ansatz wieder neu mit einem leichten Glottis gehen. Okay, so the, the, the mark, to end mark specifically, and then actually to start the, ga the, the gain very consciously. The other place that I was thinking was in the second verse here, was drängst du? Do you explode the T and then say the D, or do you bring the T with the D? Was drängst du? Or was drängst du? Nein, nein, das T muss absprechen. Also okay. das heißt, was drängst du? So the T has to be spoken and then the D. Ja, ja, weil sonst äh, 
bräuchte man das T ja auch nicht schreiben. Yeah, otherwise you, why would he have to write the T? And actually, you brought up a good point about unvoiced consonants, so I wanted to just note that we have the words Liebes and Liebchen. So we have the voiced B in Liebes, but because in the next word... Liebchen. The B is followed by the ending chen. We end up with an unvoiced B. Do you say that as hard as a P, or is it sort of a softer, unvoiced es, B? Es ist äh, in meinen Augen etwas weicher. Also man würde nicht Liebchen sagen, höchstens wenn man es sänge. Mhm. Im normalen Sprachgebrauch benutzt man es etwas weicher, also Liebchen. It's not as hard as a P, that's why he showed you that first example is what not to do, that it's not Liebchen, but a little, uh, somewhat softer, but still unvoiced Liebchen. Auch bei Liebchen mm -hmm. würde man sehr wahrscheinlich auch mehr beim Singen ein, ein härteres P oder so sagt man tendenziell ein P eher, um es besser zu artikulieren. Ah, so you can use, the, you can use a P rather than a soft B if you want to, just to articulate it better. Es ist auf jeden Fall immer klarer die Tendenz mehr zum P zu haben als zum B, weil auch wenn man es spreche, mm -hmm. würde es ja dann Liebchen sein und das ist zu wenig. So it's, um, it's actually clearer to hear the, hear the P, especially when it's sung, only because it makes, it makes much more sense. Also weil es bedingt sehr wahrscheinlich auch äh, die Tatsache, dass danach kein Vokal kommt. Wenn es Liebchen hieße, yeah dann würde es wieder weicher sein. So if it had an, a vowel after it, like Liebes, then it would be softer. But because it's, it's here followed by the Chen, it becomes unvoiced and to articulate it better, we, do, we can use a P. And now one last tiny little bit of fun grammar. The third verse starts with Nunya. And in, Marcus and I were just talking, Marcus, with my American R. Uh, we're just talking about Nunya and the different forms that we use in German. In America and England, we really just have the word well. But in German, there's a lot of different ways to say well or well. Well, what are just a few of those ways to, to say that, Markus? Nunya. Tja. Mm-hmm. We use that in English too. <laughs> My, my favorite is Naya. <laughs> Nun gut. Nun gut. <laughs> Nun gut. <laughs> so just as a way of saying Nun ja is not the most important thing you're going to say in the sentence. It has to be sung beautifully, but it means well. And there's lots of ways in colloquial German to say that. I slipped up and called him Marcus with my horrible American R. And that made me want to reiterate my first point about the word post. Even with the best of intentions, when we know exactly how a word should be pronounced, sometimes our native language overtakes us and the wrong sounds come out. It's very easy to slip up and say a more closed O in post and be unaware of it because it sounds correct to our American ears. Just like knowing that a word has an R in it can automatically color the vowel in front of it without any conscious thought. So I had to intentionally think Marcus with no R in it for it to come out right. You heard what happened the one time I forgot. The point is, keep your inner diction policeman on guard against cognates and American sounds that don't exist in whatever foreign language you're singing in. Today's interview is with Hans Zotin, a co-repetitor or a coach at the Zemperoper in Dresden. 
Hans grew up in Hamburg, Germany, and studied accompanying at the Hochschule, or music conservatory, in Berlin. He worked first at the Deutsche Oper am Rhein in Düsseldorf, and then in Meiningen, before joining the staff of the Zemper Oper in 2003. In your opinion, how different is German diction when it's sung as opposed to speaking it? I think it shouldn't be so different. You have, like in English singing, this old school teaching. The most prominent example is the Rolling R, mm -hmm. which you feel in English is it sounds weird sometimes <laughs> if you do it. Exactly, it sounds very exactly. old-fashioned. Yes. So, and that it's a choice you have to take, and mm -hmm. that's the same with German rolling or not. But in general, you but think in generally, even German singers are not very precise with the vowels. Um, you often hear closed vowels, but these short open vowels are sometimes vernachlässigt. Neglected. Do you think that all singers should be able to sing? everything exact diction-wise up and down the entire range of the scale or are you in favor of more modifi modification of the vowels when you get to the higher notes or modification of the consonants even? I think you should always try as much as possible mm -hmm. and when you feel it just affects too much the voice mm -hmm. the sound that you're actually yeah, able to produce and then you're, but it should never sound really as a very different vowel and if you listen to some recordings of the, let's say, 50s or in Italian singers, you, you just have, apparently you have just an open R. <laughs> and you, no you matter what the vowel actually yeah, was. So, for example, this is not a good example. They just cared about a sound and not a word. Mm -hmm. And this, you, it's, I can't listen to this. <laughs> Are there any specific sounds that Americans seem to really have a problem with in German that you have to coach out of us? Yeah, of course all the sounds that doesn't exist are most difficult, of like course. the umlaute, how do you yeah, Umlauts. Umlauts. Mm -hmm. Ü, mm -hmm. The difference between the open and closed. Yeah, U umlaut. And, and the, or the short U is mm -hmm. that O, oh, Luft, Luft. Like light, oh, oh. Uh, air. Oh, mm -hmm. again, the Luft. That would be pronounced so Luft. We have the tendency to close to, the vowel and, too much. And to keep it too long. Ah, to stay on the it's vowel too uff. long. It's just a very short oof. Okay. And there are many words like this. And then the main problem is apparently this tendency of the R. R? Or, yeah. Is that a problem saying yeah, R? Yeah, because um, it closes many vowels. They, they, to have a real clear R, E, uh, yeah, you mix easily, very easily, you mix something in that's, yeah. Instead of singing or saying a pure vowel, we tend to mix er into yeah, it. Yeah, there's something. Ear. Okay. How do you coach us to get some of those sounds out? Well, I think the best way is to show, to, to, uh, to make us... Uh, to, to demonstrate to, the sound? To demonstrate the sound and then letting the singer try to imitate. Or I, I hear he tries to imitate a uh, vowel and then I tell him, no, it's too long, it's too open, too close, and sometimes I try to guess or tell him what uh, movement he has to do in his mouth with the tongue to, mm -hmm. to uh, achieve right. a certain To get the sound. right sound. Yeah. yeah. 
I wanted to talk with you just about some of the basic sounds and some of the sounds mm. that either we would have a problem with or that there are always questions about things like closed E's and open E's. Can you just say some of them, maybe some of the, some of the closed E's as opposed to some of the open E's? Seele, Wehmut, Ewig, Der Weg. It's always the same sound. So it's always that closed, long sound. Yeah. And the open ones are Es, Des, Welt. It's more like an E, Welt, Es. So I, I know as a when I'm coaching young singers, I worry a lot about getting this open ear because I think as Americans, we tend to think every other language always says close E. Mm. And I think this open ear is very interesting to you hear. You never have a short vowel that is, that is closed. closed. So if it's short, it's always open. It's always open. Okay, so the length of it in some ways can determine how it's pronounced. Yeah. So, if you have, say, can you say some, just some words that have an, an open e to them, an open I? Endlich. So the la the ending of that, that lich ending. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not endlich. <laughs> it's endlich. Mm -hmm. And I that's even an ich. open e because that's also a short. Yeah. Let's go to what you also you also had talked about earlier about uh, open and closed u. That this sound is difficult for us. We have closed u. Schuh, Mut. As opposed to open you. Bush. Mm -hmm. That's like, like in English. I remember President. Uh, President Bush? Yes. It's the same sound? It's the same, exactly the same sound. Fluss. How about yeah. the difference between open E's, which is this, the, the Welt S des, and A with an umlaut? Is there a difference between the two sounds? I recently had a conversation about how much Mädchen or Mädchen mm -hmm. should, There are different opinions. Maybe there's a rule, but I'm not <laughs> quite sure about it. Well, what would you? What do you think? So, what are you used to hearing? It should be äh, Mädchen, spät, Tränen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a longer sound than äh, Wetter. Yes, Wetter is a short, open sound. One last question. Unvoicing consonants that are voiced. So consonants that are voiced are things like B, D, G, anything that, that you can actually say a sound on, stimmhaft konsonanten. And when they're, when they're followed, when they're either by themselves at the end of a word or followed by an unvoiced consonant, I was always taught to unvoice them. So I wondered if you, how you would talk about whether a B would actually become a P, would you say verliebt? Or would you say it as a soft B sound? Let me try. Since two weeks, I am verliebt, verliebt, verliebt. Try to do something in the middle. Something soft between a B and a P, but not yeah. either one. Because exactly. verliebt would sound too hard, and verliebt, verliebt, it's not. It's, it's something in between. Okay. How about the title of one of the Brahms songs? Vergeblich, vergeblich. It's not vergeblich. Vergeblich to, to have something like this airy. There's too much air coming uh, out. Yeah. It's not uh, like, because the P, if you have a real P, you mm -hmm. have always air coming out of. Yeah. But here, so it would be vergeblich, vergeblich. And so when, and the same thing with the D, vergebliches Ständchen. Ständchen, Ständchen. So it's 
It's it's a Stände. not quite. It's not Ständchen. It's but it's not Ständchen. Right. For me. It's somewhere between the two. Yeah. Great. We talk a lot about devoicing consonants and that they aren't necessarily the same as their unvoiced counterpart. Like the B in Liebchen, Grab, and Vergebliches, the G in Mark, and the D in Ständchen. These devoiced consonants when spoken aren't as hard as a P, K, or a T would be. But remember what Marco said, which goes along with what Oliver Ringelhahn and I talked about last week. In singing, you may want to use the unvoiced letter to get clarity in the diction, especially if it has to carry over a long distance or cut an orchestra. If you want to mark the distinction for yourself between a voiced, devoiced, or unvoiced consonant, the accepted phonetic symbol for a devoiced consonant is a small circle either below or above the voiced letter. So, for example, grab would be spelled G-R-A and B with a small circle below it. Or it's also acceptable to write the unvoiced consonant G-R-A-P. And that's it for today's episode. If you want to find out more about Netta, Markus, or Hans, or if you have any specific questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, check out the blog at thedictionpolice.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and give it a high rating so that more people can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening, and next week we'll be back with some French melodie and an interview with Philip Shepard, the author of What the Fach, the Definitive Guide for Opera Professionals in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. <laughs>